Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Throwing Up Bricks podcast, episode 22, I think. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Jared, and that over there is the man. It's Jake. Last night, LeBron James passed Derek Fisher for number one on the all-time playoff wins list. LeBron Ooh. is the only active player in the top 30. Only? Really? I didn't know that part. Yeah, wow. closest guy is Iguodala, and he's tied for 34th. Yeah. Well, he could shoot up those standings with the heat. Possibly. Another fun fact, uh, Bill Russell is only 29th. You'd think with his 11 championship rings, yeah, he'd have more. But, but I guess they didn't have many rounds back then, no, right? No, I'm not trying to add on the Bill Russell slander. I'm just justifying why he's so low on my top 10 list. <laughs> uh, you can use any stat to say whatever you want. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into it. Um, we got a lot to talk about. Some housekeeping, first of all. That's a drum roll. Oh, there we go. Housekeeping. Um, yeah, if you want to reach out to us, you can uh, at our email, throwingupbricksjj at gmail.com. That's throwingupbricksjj at gmail.com. Pod name followed by JJ. Podbean, at- Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, <laughs> Spotify, the grocery store, uh, your local <laughs> Sorry, bar just, or pub. <laughs> I just like how you went. Podbean. <laughs> it's like bursting out like a Michael Scott. That's what she said. <laughs> All right, let's talk basketball. All right, let's, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it strung together that direction as much. Me neither. I like it the other way. I like okay. the, the first one's crisper. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, But yeah, let, let's not dawdle on these nonsense topics let's talk let's talk some ball there's a lot of ball not as much as we normally like to talk about thank god um there's only four games so we can really go in depth here let's start with lakers rockets Is that all right with you yep that's the one i want to talk about all right so just to recap for everybody the lakers went up in the series 2-1 now um they beat the rockets 112 to 102 uh in this game last night um recording here on a wednesday morning is that the day jake i really lose track now yes it is wednesday morning um, yeah it was a it's a pretty good victory i thought i thought the lakers hung tough they weathered the rocket storm uh, and they pulled away late with really solid defense and um just doing what they do well which is going into the paint um what were your thoughts well as typical for me after a result of a game, I'm totally going to flip sides from my previous statements. And I feel really <laughs> good about the Lakers. And the only reason why is Rajon Rondo. Because if you look at the stats of this game, if you watch the game, uh, LeBron and AD versus Westbrook and Harden was kind of a wash in terms of their production. Um, yep. I think they all played well. Harden still hasn't been super efficient, but he's still getting his buckets like usual. Uh, I thought the difference was Rondo. Uh, for those of you who didn't watch, playoff Rondo is real. He's not a myth, and and, and he's arrived on on the campus in Orlando. He has. He's not a myth. It's surprising to me, man, because we always kind of joke about, oh, playoff Rondo, he'll show up. Um, but he actually did. You know, he was here. Uh, he he did exactly what we needed, which was to take some of the playmaking load off of LeBron, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and be able to create for others in those LeBronless minutes, which is really when we struggle. Um, yeah. And yeah, he did that to a T, and we needed it. Um, he was huge. 21 points, man, on super efficient shooting, three of five from three. You don't really expect that from Rondo, but you'll take it when you get it. 
yeah, these past two games, he's been hitting shots. I mean, uh, game two, he had those two uh, wide open mid range jumpers down the stretch that he hit. He's hitting open shots. He's hitting contested threes to your point. What you used to always say about him in terms of his regular season play uh, when he played for like the Mavericks and the, and the, the Kings, when he was averaging near a triple double and all those empty stats, your criticism was that he hunts assists and yeah. he, he holds the ball until the last second. So that guys have to shoot and stuff like that. Um, I agree with that during a regular season, but he, why he's playoff Rondo is because that style of play is valuable during the playoffs. When the tempo slowed down, when it's a lot of half court stuff, it's actually a positive to have a guy who can see the floor, see the play develop and create a good open shot, regardless of, of, you know, stat hunting and whatnot. Specifically on our team, which lacks playmaking behind LeBron, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, you're right. In that sense, it's good for us to have someone who controls the entire possession and doesn't let it just devolve into Kuzma checking up a weird shot or something, um, or it flying to Caruso and then he has to make something happen. Like, it's it's good that Rondo does that for us because he forces guys to to make a good shot because he'll put them in that position um, or he'll take the shot himself. So I I do like that. Yeah, we've been seeing a lot more good Rondo than bad Rondo lately. Um, and consequentially, Jeff has fallen in love with him and Jeff Green because they've both been playing really well right now. <laughs> Jeff Green has been um, – he didn't have a great game last game, but he has really stepped up for them um, on a team where their rotation is basically seven guys deep. We're getting a lot of good Jeff Green in this playoff run. I think it's it's changing a lot of people's opinions. He's going to get a big contract, and then he'll go right back to normal. Jeff Green where he's uh oh Jeff Green's on our team I haven't seen him in the last five games oh he's played 30 minutes on average those games oh oh okay <laughs> um yeah that's more like Jeff Green but yeah uh, I digress in this game Jeff Green was good like you said uh, alluded to earlier uh Russ actually did have a good game looking mm-hmm. box score which is weird because in my mind when I'm thinking about how he played in this game I was never afraid of him like he was never really making backbreaking plays I felt like Am I weird in that thinking that like I felt like every time Westbrook shot, I was like, yeah, go for it. I don't care. No, I was with you. Um, I think we're just riding that high of seeing him struggle in the past couple games and with in Westbrook fashion. He did hit two threes, but he's not he doesn't pour it in from three, which in this modern yeah, NBA is what you pay to. attention to in terms of, of of racking up the score. Yeah. And if he tries to pour it in from three, that's what you really like. Yes, to see. <laughs> uh, exactly. Um, yeah. I'm. I don't know. I maybe I was riding the high of this win, but I bet one of my friends that the Lakers are going to close it out in five, which may be a stretch. Ooh. But Ooh, Jacob. I just, Ooh. <laughs> I just don't see the Rockets have enough guys stepping up on a consistent basis. You have Jeff Green have a good game. You have Covington have a good game here and there. But then Hor- uh, uh, Gordon's been inconsistent, right? Uh, Westbrook has been inconsistent. Tucker didn't do too much this game, even though he had his. You know, he has a big task having to guard AD and LeBron and whatnot. But um, with Rondo providing a, a semi-steady third guy and Kuzma shooting much more efficiently than usual, I'm more confident in the Lakers' bit players, even when guys like Green and Caldwell Pope continue to be the epitome of poop. It's interesting that you say that, the epitome of poop. <laughs> I like that. We should put that on a, on a hat. That on a t-shirt. I'm with the epitome of poop with an arrow next to someone. <laughs> um, it's interesting that you say that, though, because when I look at our lineup, I think of it the exact opposite way. We've now got two straight good games from Rondo, two straight good games from Kuzma. Uh, we got a good game from Caruso. And while, yeah, we didn't get great games from Morris or Green or Caldwell Pope, we did get good guns from them last game. 
So I'm I'm a little concerned because I look at this roster and I think like we've gotten a lot of good games here from bit players. I don't know how we can be confident that they'll keep doing this. And if they're not doing it, then basically it's just going to fall on LeBron and AD to do everything. And we've seen that, you know, seen that play out in game one, um, especially if they're having an off night. So I'm I'm a little concerned, maybe a little bit more than you. Did, I wasn't paying attention down the stretch. Did Covington return to the game after he no. got like destroyed in the face there? He was done. Um, he was done, it right? It doesn't seem like he has a concussion. I think he's going to be good to go for game uh, uh, for game four. I think it yeah. was just a, a nose. He got a nose cut and why he Not was bleeding. Not broken, though, somehow. Yeah, I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how. He just – he. I don't know. He ran full force into AD's shoulder there. That yeah, was... that was scary. And then smacking his head on the ground too. Maybe I mean yeah. he does have um, a lot of hair, so hopefully that broke his fall. <laughs> um, yeah, I was actually really worried about AD on that play too when he started clutching his hip. But then I realized what happened, and it's I mean it's just he got an elbow to the hip, and yeah. that hurts a lot. I've a had that stinger. before. That's just yeah, that's a stinger, man. Oh, yeah. but that hurts so much. Oh, because there's no skin there. There's nothing. You're just hitting right on the bone there. Yeah. Um, Oh, that hurts. Yeah. But but that's not a, that's an injury you can play through. It's just going to hurt. Mm-hmm. So I'm not too worried. Yeah. I'm, I'm also confident in the Lakers cautiously, though. I will put cautiously at the end of my confidence. I'm, I'm still thinking it'll go six. I guess I'm just relieved to see in back-to-back games them close out a game in the fourth quarter, which historically, uh, for the past two years, they've done two things. Started out slow and given up leads in the fourth quarter. That's a fair point. Very fair point. It. it it has been a rough going with LeBron in LA in terms of closing out games. And I'm with you. It was very relieving to see us close this one out. Not, not just because it's good to win a game, but also because that's two straight games where we've done this, where we've asserted our will down the stretch, played great defense, and that just made the right plays. And, and as a team closed out, instead of just saying, LeBron, you need to do everything on the stretch. Um, exactly. So that's really good to see, um, especially if we can carry that behavior over to the next round if we get there. Um, and against presumably the Clippers. Yeah, that's I'm with you 100%. Do you want to move on to the Heat Bird Bucks? You got any other comments on the Lakers here? I think that's it. I'm just I'm elated that we have another guy on the roster to handle the ball. And I think that's why I'm so I'm on this high right now because it frees up LeBron to do other things like half four blocks, which yeah. has which been. Was all, I mean, it, all his blocks were amazing. Holy. He was on a mission to remind people that who he was tonight, last night. He has this whole playoffs. People just hate on LeBron every time he has a slight off game. Look at his stats during the playoffs. I think he's averaging like 29, 9, and 9. He's not washed. Yeah. He's LeBron. No, he's the best player on the planet. <laughs> Hashtag wash king. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Those blocks are amazing, man. Oof. Uh, the, the last thing I'll say as well that I'm, I've been pleasantly surprised that Harden has not just taken it to us. Because right? we're doubling like, him. He gets his. He's going to get Harden's numbers, right? He's going to yeah. get 30-plus or whatever. But it's not hyper-efficient, and it's not no. back-breaking. Like, he's not no. making these back-breaking threes where we're like, oh, God, or driving the lane and getting back-breaking fouls. Uh-huh. Like, he's still getting his. He's still getting his calls. Um, but it's not killing us. And I, I thought he would, honestly, because I don't think yeah. we have anybody to guard him, really. But we've been, we've been basically doing it by gang-guarding him. By, like you said, doubling the ball out of his hands at good times. And then when he, you know, rotating the guy that's going one on one, so it's always a fresh yeah. defender. Um, and I think Vogel's done a great job. So you called it, yeah. Uh, I, I think it was during a, a bump, one of the seeding games. You were talking maybe Dallas about how they were doubling him, and it, it made yeah, other people beat him. 
That's what Fogel is yeah. doing. He's like, all right, I'm going to be a coach, which I realize is rare in today's NBA, but we're not going <laughs> to let that guy beat us. He's going to score 30, but he's not going to get that 50-point game that he does in the playoffs that absolutely obliterates a team. Right, right. And I, I like that. So I'm, I'm glad Vogel's making some adjustments. Um, all right, let's move on to Heat Bucks. Uh, the Heat closed out the Bucks, finished the series. 103 to 94 was the score in game five here. It's a gentleman's sweep. Send the Bucks packing. I don't have much to say about the game itself. I mean, it was like the ultimate team effort from the Heat. At, like, here's the point totals, right, from, from these Heat players. They had. Um, six guys in double figures. So they had Adebayo scored 13, Butler scored 17, Crowder scored 16, Dragic scored 17, Olenek scored 12, and Hero scored 14. So like it was just a complete team effort across the board. Um, Duncan Robinson and Nunn were basically the only two that didn't get going. And yeah, they they were just too much for the Bucks, especially without Giannis, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this has happened all series. This team is just a team in the true sense of the word. And it's it's like mind-blowing to see Jimmy Butler's stat line. Um, to have your star player only shoot the ball six times and yeah. still dominate the game. He's he's morphed into this 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 role where he gets his easy free throws, gets gets a lot of free throws, where he does the scoring there, yeah. hits big time shots, and down the stretch of a game. He is not, yeah, he's not being Kobe and just hunting that shot to put them over. He's making the correct play. If he's Mm -hmm. doubled, he passes. If he drives and there's somebody more open than him, he dishes it. Uh, I'm in love with Jimmy Butler and how he's handling this team. And his teammates have stepped up accordingly. Like, I don't know what, you know, it's kind of the chicken or the egg scenario here. Like, his teammates having been great and stepping up all the time, is that giving him the confidence to? you know, to deliver the ball to them, to delegate or no is it the other way around is him delegating, giving them the confidence to step up and be great. I don't know. And I don't even know if it matters because they're awesome. Uh, regardless, he's, he has the confidence in them and they have the confidence in themselves to knock down shots. Um, I, th- I think the heat are embodying what this bubble was about. When we came into it, we were saying that it's not going to be the best team on paper. It's not going to be who the best team was in the regular season. It's whoever can gel the quickest and peak at the right time. And I think the heat are doing that. Yeah. I'm with you. 100% hit it right on the head. Um, yeah. The only thing I also want to mention just to highlight one player in particular is Jake Crowder. Again, another yep. four of nine from three here. Dude is Clay Thompson now Stunned. for this playoff run, at least. Like he's just turned into Clay Thompson. <laughs> I don't Stunned. know. I don't know how. I don't know where he's been the last few years because this is not the Jay Crowder we've seen. Um, but he's here. <laughs> he's Clay for now. So this is Boston Jay Crowder. <laughs> Basically, huh? For that that small stretch, yeah. Oh my God. I don't have much to say about the Bucks. I they fought hard. I'll give them that. You know, they didn't give up even without Giannis. They made this a close game through three quarters, and then well, I guess through through one quarter. <laughs> if I'm looking at the box score now, never mind. It's only through one quarter. <laughs> he he kind of took it to him in the second quarter there and then slowly pulled away. Um, but I don't know. They they gave a fight. And I'm always I'm always happy to see that from teams that are missing their star. Um, I mean, they never really had a chance even with Giannis when they were down 3-0. Um, and without him, it just became an impossible proposition. So kudos to them for fighting. Middleton took 25 shots in this one. He tried to step up, but he only went 8 for 25 because – He's not ready to be the alpha. He needs to be honest there. So yeah, he turned it on at the fourth quarter, which he's done the past two games. He's got hot, but uh, yeah. you're an NBA team and you shoot 36 from the field. It's very unlikely you're going to win. Yeah, God, those are horrible shooting numbers. 36 from the field, 27 from three. 
oh, that's ugly. We had we saw another you know classic playoff Bledsoe sighting too, two of twelve in an elimination game. Yeah, he was aggressive. You got to give him that, but but uh, God, that's ugly. Two of twelve. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think the real news here, and maybe we can do a news or not segment. You, you feel like doing that? Maybe hit it. All right, let's let's do it. I won't even introduce the topic. I'll just go right into it. In an exclusive interview with Yahoo's Chris Haynes, Giannis Antetokounmpo, when asked about his looming free agency in 2020 and how he could, quote, hold the league hostage with it, Giannis answered, it's not happening. That's not happening. Some see a wall and go in another direction. I plow through it. We just have to get better as a team, individually, and get right back at it next season. My question to you, is this news or nah? I think it's news. Um, I think it's big news. I mean, when a player says that, a lot of guys have said that and then jump ship, right? That's not a definite statement. Kyrie Irving has said that multiple times in multiple different stops, and he's ended up leaving or forcing his way out. But I think Giannis is different. I think Giannis has shown that he means everything he says, and I think he's that um, one of the few people in the NBA who's extremely loyal to his franchise, like Dame is, and I think he's going to stay. I know that most people are confident he's going to go join a super team and he's just saying that to to get a big contract or whatever. I don't know what their reasoning is, but there's no doubt in my mind he's going to stay here. He believes in himself, um, regardless of if the results have shown that. He's young. He's he's going to be a two-time MVP. Uh, I put my money on he's going to be in Milwaukee for life. Interesting, because I would say it's nah for similar-ish reasons. Is that we always thought Giannis was this guy, right? This isn't news. This is what we always thought about him. At least I did. That he was never going to stir up trouble. Now, I will say that I disagree with you. And I think I think when he says these sort of comments, he's referring solely to next season. He's not going to force his way out like an AD or a Paul George. He's going to ride it out. He's going to let them have this last year of his contract. And he's going to go in free agency without you know worrying them. But okay. he's going to leave. If, if the opportunity arises, if it doesn't and they can put good players around him, then maybe he really just hasn't made up his mind because he does. I'll give you that. He does seem like the kind of guy that seems loyal and wants to stay put. But I'm of more of the opinion that he's he's only talking about this season when he says those comments. He's saying, I'll stay here and I'll plow through it next year. Um, I have the time. I'm young. I want to see if this organization can make the adjustments that it needs to do. Um, but that doesn't necessarily say anything about his free agency in 2021. Okay. I'm going to bet that he signs the max deal in the offseason. And that, and yeah. maybe I that'll mean, could, put it to rest. Yep. He's extension eligible, eligible this uh, offseason. So they can offer him the extension. They will. We'll see if he signs it or if he says, uh, no, nah, we'll, you know, because I think uh, he doesn't have to. He can sign just as big of a contract with them if he turns it down. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, do we have another news or not segment or do, should we move on? We, we do. I right? got one. You want to you do one, one about uh, about the Nuggets, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right. Hit it. I'll kill up the music for a second time. Let's do this. All right. Following another lackluster shooting performance in the Nuggets 113-107 loss to the Clippers, Jamal Murray has yet to capture that superstar magic on display during the Nuggets' first-round series against the Jazz. Did we, the media... And basically, everybody else in the NBA world crowned Jamal a superstar prematurely. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I think so. 
Well, I let me let me backtrack. I think this is not news. It's not okay. if we're going to phrase it like that, because I think what we did is we just got carried away with two bad teams against each other. <laughs> like we talked about Dono and we talked about Murray, but we talked about them facing each other who are not exactly defensive jugg- juggernauts, right? Like we talked about the jazz struggling coming into the bubble. We talked about the nuggets, not, you know, being one superstar short of a real contender, not really being, you know, the kind of force that you want as like a three seat. So we already had major questions about these teams. We just kind of forgot about them because those two were going off back and forth and we crowned them superstars. And it's like, maybe we need a little more context. Maybe we needed to look at the teams they were facing. Cause now Murray is facing the Clippers and in this latest game, they lost again, the Nuggets, 107 to the 113 that the Clippers scored. And Murray had another bad game. And as I always say, as Murray goes, Denver goes. He went 5 of 17 for 14 points, 2 of 7 shooting from 3. And he's had two of those stinkers against the Clippers so far, and they've lost both of them. And I, I just think it's because the Clippers have better defenders. They have guys to throw at him in waves, and it's just exhausting for him to, to do it play after play after play. I mean, I would personally never want to deal with Patrick Beverly. That dude seems like the most annoying person you could ever meet in your life, on or off the court. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think it's, it's not noise because I think it was our mistake. I think we just jumped the gun. Yeah, I agree. I think – the Clippers are a totally different beast in terms of, 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 of a playoff series. And I think it's impossible to sustain that level of production he was putting up, both him and Donovan. I think it was just a one-off thing, two teams playing in the bubble with no home court, no fans, and two guys just exploding. I think it was, you know, the planets aligned, it didn't happen. Not to say that both those guys aren't stars. I think Jamal has the potential to be Uh, one of the top point guards in the league. I just don't think he's there yet. I don't think it's fair to call him a superstar after four fantastic games, you know? And I think that takes away who the true superstar of that team is and, and Jokic. Um, And when they play through him, they have a better chance at winning the game than when Murray is dribbling, trying to create his own shot, you know, 15 times a game. Yeah. I guess the Clippers in particular, right? Jokic has a huge matchup advantage and he's, he's taking advantage of it. Um, honestly, if, if Jokic had been a little more aggressive down the stretch, I think Denver could have pulled this out. Uh, they were looking pretty good late in that fourth. And then they went on like a cold stretch in the last five minutes where the Clippers took control. Um, and to me, it was hallmarked by play after play Jokic getting into the paint, getting deep and every single time passing it out to admittedly a lot of times open shooters, but it's late in the game. These shooters keep missing every time you pass it out to them. You're passing it out to the likes of Jeremy Grant and Gary Harris, and they're bricking threes. Or sometimes you'll pass it out to Michael Porter Jr., and he 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 had a good game overall, Michael Porter Jr., but he did turn the ball over a few times, uh, uh-huh. once or twice, um, in, in bad moments, and he has some brain farts. And I don't know. I just I feel like when you're the superstar, he had 32 points. He had 12 rebounds and 8 assists. Like If you look at the stat line, what I'm saying sounds ridiculous, but down the stretch – he kept passing the ball, making the objectively right play, but you would like to see him have a little bit more of a superstar mode, a little bit more of a takeover LeBron Lillard where, no, 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 no. I'm getting this because I know that it may be more selfish objectively, but I'm the superstar. I'm on, I'm cooking. I'm on a roll. I need to force my team into this game. And I, I would have liked it if he, when he got into the deep end of the paint, if he went up with it a few times, if he tried to get to the line um, instead of passing out and making the, you know, quote unquote, right play. Because the people at the end of those right plays weren't making the shot. 
Yeah, I think. Yeah, I agree. He, I think he's doing a Jimmy Butler, and he's just trying to make the best play. But when you're as talented around the basket as he is, you need to take over, especially when you're playing the Clippers, whose only defensive hole is really that center position, right? They don't really have a guy that's going to lock you down um, if your name is Jokic. So I agree. I think it's a mental thing. I think he just needs to flip that switch um, and, and turn into Kobe, MJ, somebody like that. But um, yeah, I think I, I was telling you before the pod, I think he could learn a little bit from watching LeBron because LeBron's another pass first superstar, right? Yeah. Um, but he does have a gear that he can flip into when he sees his teammates aren't doing great. And he's like, okay, well, for these next three, four straight possessions, I'm just going to take it. I'm going to take it to the hole. I'm going to spin move. I'm going to bully ball my way in there no matter what. And I'm going to get a layup or a free throw every single time. And I'm going to slow this game down. I'm going to stem their momentum. And I'm going to get it back in our favor by just doing everything. And I think Jokic could learn a little bit like that from from LeBron, that it's okay occasionally to be selfish, to be selfish to benefit the team. You know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I'd like to see that a little bit more because I do think he got a little passive down the stretch. And I think if he didn't, it may have been a different game. Um, not to blame him. You know, he had a great game. He's the only reason they were in the game. But um, I think it would have been different if he took a little bit more offensive control there. Yep. No doubt. All right. Let's move on. Uh, we got... Uh, I mean, I want to move on. I, I didn't talk about the Clippers at all because I don't like talking about the Clippers. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but I guess we can nominally say that like they did great this game. Kawhi had a bounce back. He didn't shoot well from three again, but he had a bounce back game overall where he looked more like Mr. Robot, 23 and 14. And then Paul George had a great shooting night, 32 points. Yeah, yeah. So um, basically what we said last time, <laughs> when the Clippers decide to shoot better, they win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, Lou Will hasn't really played phenomenal at all this whole restart he's been kind of not the same guy we saw during the regular season and neither is Montrez Harrell and I think that's a product of the playoffs which favors iso ball and giving it to your stars and hitting threes so mm-hmm. with the contributions of Morris um, the surprise shooting of Beverly which actually took six shots in 21 minutes which is baffling um, I still think the Clippers are going to come out of the West. I just, when you watch them, they have a different feel than most teams. Uh, I've never felt like the Clippers were going to lose a game, no matter how much they were down at any point in the game. I always feel like with Kwai and 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 the actual playoff P that they're going to find a way to win. Yeah, you're right. They they just feel better. They're just better than their competition. Yeah. So I think it comes down to that. Um, I, I don't really have much more to say. Yeah, I think uh, I did want to take one final jab at the Bucks by saying uh, Kawhi Leonard played 42 minutes in this one and Paul George played 40. Um, and this was a game three. So even though Kawhi Leonard has a chronic injury that he's always dealing with, he's still out here playing 42 minutes in a game three against the Nuggets team that they think they're way better uh-huh. than. So what does that tell you about how Doc handles these minutes? If you're healthy, you play. And you play all out because it's the playoffs and you never know when you might go home. He handles his minutes like he's won an NBA championship before. That's what he handles it like. Yeah, true. Maybe Bud's just not not there. He might not be. Speaking of coaching changes, did you see that they uh, the Thunder are not going to bring back Donovan? I did see that. I mean, I think we kind of discussed it, right? Did we 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 say that 
that was going to be a change possibly. You, it's just, you, you were on the warpath. <laughs> yeah, I was pissed. Um, I didn't know he wasn't still under contract. I was calling for him to be fired. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, it, that's the that's all the law of the land here in the NBA. If you don't produce in three, four, five years, it, you're not going to be brought back. It's just how it works. Yeah. I think I was a little heated as well. I thought he deserved to get a lot of flack for that. But taking a step back, I think he maybe deserves a little bit more credit for the season as a whole for bringing this hodgepodge team that no one thought would even compete into a, a solid playoff berth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And taking the Rockets to game seven. I mean, if you told that prior to the season, people would be like, holy shit, Billy Donner is the best coach ever. Yeah. Right. So maybe we need to take a step back and think about a little mac- more macro scale. But clearly the Thunder didn't think that way. <laughs> and their opinion at the end of the day is the only thing that matters. So I mean, it, it <laughs> also makes sense. They're moving into a new uh, chapter in their in their uh, franchise yeah. history, right? True. Uh, no Durant, no Westbrook. Moving off from Westbrook is huge. It's monumentally. It's like when MJ left Chicago in terms of just completely shaken up the organization. So they have all these picks. They don't know what they're going to do with Chris Paul. They don't know what they're going to do moving forward. I think it's best to just start over. What do you think Donovan does? Do you think he he goes after another coaching job um, or he goes back to the college game? It's a good point. I don't know. If we have a college game next year. I really don't know. I think the competition for coaching right now is is pretty tense, especially with Nash taking the Brooklyn spot. Yeah. Uh, there's always the chance that the Knicks, um, one of the three coaches they have this year will be him, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't really know how they're thinking as a GM or, or a president of operations goes for an NBA team in terms of coaching fines. It's, it's, it's an enigma to me. It always is. Yeah. I don't know, man. We'll see where all these teams go. Maybe it's too early. Maybe we'll get into that talk once the finals are over. Um, but we'll talk about it then. Ugh. All right. We got one last game. Let's power through this Celtics Raptors. Um, Game five in that series. Another pivotal game five, man. We never talk about how pivotal these game fives are. Yeah. Pivot. Pivot. That's what I always <laughs> want to think of. <laughs> think of the Ross. Um, but yeah, the Celtics took this pivotal game five. Uh, 111 to 89. And I, yeah, I think it was another case of whichever team is shooting better wins. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, the Celtics didn't shoot amazing, but God, the Raptors shot horribly in this one. Just absolute garbage from the field and from three. They shot 38% from the field and 30 flat from three. I don't know how you win an NBA game between those percentages. This um, this series has been the total opposite of a lot of these other series in terms of scoring. It's been two extremely talented defensive teams that at times have looked absolutely horrible on the offensive end, especially the Raptors. They've looked really bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to look up right now what their shooting splits are for this entire series. Like, Boston's might be respectable, but the Raptors have just got to be shooting horribly. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they're averaging, like, I don't know, 38% on the series because they just can't hit a shot, dude. They can't buy a bucket. The um, first goal quarter was indicative of this game. They scored, I think, 11 points in the first quarter. And that just kind of was the writing was on the wall already. It's impossible to come back when you're when you're shooting that poorly in the first quarter. I think it is. It's, it's literally impossible. There's there's no way you can do it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still looking for that stat, but basically, to me, it's I don't know what the Raptors can do. The two games that they've won, they've played great defense. 
and that's what gave them a chance to win those games, right? And they they hit big shots on the stretch, and they shot, I don't want to say respectable, respectable uh, percentages because it was like, I don't know, bare minimum of an NBA team percentages, but they, they shot good enough to win with amazing defense. And I don't know how if you can do that over a seven-game series and actually win against a team as good as the Celtics because the Celtics can find their shot. We saw it in game one, right? Um, they can They can come out firing. And the Raptors just seem to be stuck in this mire that they just cannot find their shot. And I don't know. I don't even want to blame it all on the Celtics' good defense. But I want to give credit to the Celtics' good defense. They've been great. But I don't even think that's the real, like the only reason because the Raptors do get a lot of open shots. Siakam gets a decent amount of open threes. Um, and he just can't knock them down. Like he in particular is struggling. Uh, Marc Gasol is, is broken. I don't know what, what we're seeing. This maybe not... This might not be Marcus All. This might be a body snatch, Marcus All. Um, the only one who's shooting well in this series, I feel like, is Ibaka. Yep. And maybe Lowry from time to time. Um, <laughs> Lowry's shooting well in the paint, but he can't head an outside yeah. shot to save yeah. his life. So I, I don't know. It's rough. If they don't find their shot, I don't know how they win this series because at a certain point, I hate using this cliche, but it's a make or miss league. And you just kind of make some shots eventually, man. I don't think it's a cliche in this sense. I think it's just an answer for the question, why haven't the Raptors won more games? Because they can't make a shot. I don't think it's they're missing Kawhi. Well, obviously Kawhi would help. But I don't think it's the fact that they don't have a superstar. I don't think it's the fact that their guards are too small to, to shoot over people. I just think they haven't hit shots. And that's it's it, it, it's not as a complicated fix as finding a playmaker for LeBron or finding pieces to fit around Joel Embiid. It's just, you got to make shots. You do. You got to make shots. I agree. 100%. Yeah. The effective field goal percentage for Toronto in the series is 47.7%. Yikes. God, that's bad. That is absolutely horrible. (laughs) Oh yeah. The Celtics conversely are shooting 53.4 effective field goal percent, which is yeah, for people that don't know what effective field goal percentage is, it's a it's a stat that adjusts for three point field goals being worth more than than twos, um, and it gives you one field goal percentage that tells you basically how efficiently you're scoring on twos and threes. You want to be above fifty percent as a minimum, really. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Ooh, it's ugly, man. It is ugly. The Raptors have a ninety nine point two offensive rating in this series. That's worse than the Lakers in the bubble. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's it's rough for them it is struggle town for them they've averaged 97 points per game if they don't find their shot it might be uh yeah might be good night yeah i don't know what else to say i feel like a broken record because i can't think of anything else to say but if you don't make your shots like i don't know what to tell you you can only play so good a defense <laughs> yeah there's yeah exactly in the nba defense is great but it, to win a championship you have to score um, you do, you have and score. they just lack that firepower. I guess. I guess we underestimated uh, uh, the, the the departure of Kawhi and their struggle to outscore a team that's just as defensively um, stalwart as they are. I, I guess I thought when uh, when Freddie saw his kid again, uh, <laughs> visit him in the bubble, that he turned into amazing Freddie again. But no, that hasn't been the case. He's been struggling pretty badly. Maybe they need to toss that baby around the locker room. They need to <laughs> hand him around. <laughs> have a, a touch Freddie seminar. Touch Freddie Jr. Everybody just give him a pat on the head. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, that's all we had to talk about. So, yeah. boom. 36 minutes. 
I wouldn't say on the nose, but it, you know, close enough. Um, I don't have anything else to say. I think it was, it's nice to be able to talk in depth about all these teams. Uh, I enjoy it a lot more than, than having to kind of skirt along the surface of so many teams mm-hmm. that we just feel lost. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, to these series ending though. I, I want to get to the next round because I think those are going to be insane games. Like I I'm still going to watch the Lakers Rockets series, which weirdly enough going in, I thought would be the worst and has actually turned into the most enjoyable probably. Um, so I'm watching that one, but I think the next round is going to be yeah the one we're waiting for. Right? I'm rooting for the Celtics to close it out tonight because I really can't wait for Celtics Miami if that's going to be the matchup. That's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Underrated part of this, we'll see how much rest the Heat get. You know, if the Raptors can fight their way back to a game seven, then uh, they'll get a big rest advantage on on the Celtics. Well, so my, my worry we'll is that if the Celtics close it out and then whatever team comes out of the East wins it in five games or something like that. How long are they going to be waiting for their Western conference matchup? Yeah, it's going to be a minute, right? Cause I, I will technically the Lakers and Clippers could go straight to five win both their current series in five games. Right. And then they just be as many games behind That's true. as it takes to beat each other. So they'd be at most what probably like two games behind maybe good, the, 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 the East. So I, I'm not too worried about that. And I think they kind of scheduled the, finals a little bit farther out normally i don't know what they're doing in the bubble that'll be interesting i haven't looked at the schedule like that but yeah uh i'm excited for the next round i think those are going to be the series we've we've been waiting for i think we're almost guaranteed amazing series in the next one right i agree yeah yeah i don't see how they're not amazing series Ooh. all right well uh that's all for me get a boo get a boo from jake and peace from me We'll see you in the next one on Friday.